be some pride in every one of us. I know there is in me. When I was in school, I've, I've taken way too many classes in school. I mean, I love to take classes. But I was in class with the professor that I look up to and admire the most. And I believe that if I pay money to go to a class, I have a right to answer, get my questions answered. <laughs> so I always asking questions. I always ask. I feel I've paid my money, and I want you to tell me what you think. So I raised my question, and I asked this question. And I was in a class with about 20 of my, my pastoral colleagues. Um, and I asked this question, the professor that I just admire him, looked at me and he goes, Scott, why would you think such a thing? And I want to tell you, I was absolutely devastated. Right in front of all my friends and my pastoral colleagues. And I went home and back to the place where I was staying that night and I tossed and turned in bed. I could not sleep. I was just. And after the class was over, I just kind of felt that prof's words on my shoulder. You know, why would you think such a thing? And I thought, I am such a doofus. I mean, what have I, I have no business even being in the class if I'm going to ask such a stupid question. And I carried this around for years. And finally, uh, I got to a place in my ministry where I felt it would be helpful for me to go to a Christian counselor and talk some things over. So I went to this Christian counselor and I started talking things over about my life. And, this, and, and I shared this story with my Christian counselor. And he looked at me and he said, Scott, he said, your professor abused you by doing that to you. I said, no, 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 he, he would never do anything like that. I mean, he is, you know, and he is, you know, and he looked at me and he said, I don't care what his name was. He abused you in front of your pastors. He had no right to do that. And as soon as he said that, I felt a weight lift off of me. Because what this counselor did is he gave me a way to escape the fact that I was prideful. What he should have done is he should have said, Scott, why were you so devastated by this? Why, why were you so, so broken by this? Were you embarrassed that your pastoral colleagues would think that, think less of you? Would you think that your pastor colleagues would think that you're not as smart as you think you are? You know, and I, and, I, and I spent many years being relieved, blaming my prof for causing me all of this heartache. And it's just been recently that I've come to realize he should have confronted me about my pride. Because I was more concerned about my self-promotion than anything else. You see how subtle pride is? And you see how we go around in life and we sometimes look for ways to escape confronting the core issue of what's really there? And we're always looking to find a way to escape looking into our hearts. We find a way to blame someone else or to blame our circumstances, to have a reason to justify in order to not confront what's really going on in the inside. And that is, 
I want to be protected and I, and I want to be affirmed and I want to promote myself. And, and I've come to realize that's just pride. So subtle, but so powerful. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you the anatomy of pride today. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to break the chain of pride. But today, I want to talk about the anatomy of pride. And I'm, and I'm dependent on Tim Keller, who is a prolific Christian writer. Maybe some of you know that name. Um, I don't know what you think of his ministry, but um, he, has, he has addressed pride. He's given these four points. And then I put my own commentary on them. First, prideful people are low on the fear of God. Prideful people are low on the fear of God. Here's what Jeremiah 2 says. Your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you declares the Lord God of hosts. The fear of me is not in you. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, the key is the name of for God, the Lord of hosts, or the Lord Almighty, a God the Sovereign One, God of the heavenly hosts, God who is in control of everything. God is the Sovereign of all, of all things in life. Um, he established and controls all spiritual authority. And he can reduce the most powerful angel to nothing. Don't ever think that there is a cosmic war between God and Satan that's a hard battle. And that sometimes Satan wins and sometimes God wins. But in the end, eventually God's going to be able to overcome him, but it's going to be really hard. Oh, don't ever think that. God will go... Pfft. And Satan is gone. God is, God is all powerful. God is all good. And his good and love will, will, will win out with no battle. Because God is so powerful. And pride doesn't see it that way. Pride says right to his face. God, I have no regard for your power. In fact, I'm going to treat you as if you don't have any authority over me at all. You have no right to have authority over me. Who do you think you are, God? <laughs> Look what Psalm, 1, what Psalm 10 verse 4 says. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All the thoughts are, there is no God. It's right there. Prideful people live as if there is no God. If God were real, they would have to bow down to him so they convince themselves he's not real. And pride says, I am the center of the universe. That's what pride says. Now you say, well, Scott, that sounds like an unbeliever. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of heaven? Doesn't Jesus say that? Yeah, he does. Do we? <laughs> that means we don't fear God. So how many of us have false gods? 
how many of us worship our children above God? How many of us worship work above God? How many of us turn to things and recreation and, and even education and work for fulfillment? How many of us live lives as though life revolves around us? Now, please, I don't, I don't want to beat you up today because I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I'm just trying to get us to think about how subtle, you know, how often do we go around? Who is the king of the universe? You know, me. Well, no. <laughs> because if we do, we're low on the fear of God. Uh, second, Tim Keller says, prideful people have a better plan than God. Genesis 3 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that there was tree was to be desired to make us wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now here's the deal. We all know the story. God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden and he gave them a plan. And we all know what his plan was. You can eat of any tree you want to. Any tree. Any time you want to. You can have breakfast, mid-morning snack, lunch, mid-afternoon. You can eat eight times a day if you want to. Except, don't eat of this one tree or you'll die. And that was God's plan. But Adam and Eve thought they had a better plan. They thought they had a better plan. And disaster was the result of their better plan. Adam and Eve ate of that one tree. And then they felt guilty before God. And then they attempted to hide from God. And then they tried to clothe themselves. And the only thing they had was their own attempt to deal with what they, what they had done. And you know, this is what happens to us in our lives when we look at God and we say God I know you've got a plan for me I know you've got a plan for my children I know you've got a plan for my mother I know you've got a plan for my sister I know you've got a plan but I don't like it I think I have I can do better than you can do and then and then the world falls apart and we wonder what's going on how come the world is falling apart and we say right to his face, we say, God, you just don't understand my situation. My situation's different. Ever said that to God? You know, you just don't, you don't understand my wife. Oh, you know, you don't get my husband. I mean, yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Pride destroys families. Pride destroys churches. Is there a little pride in all of us? Maybe a little. Third, prideful people boast in their accomplishments in order to promote themselves. They boast to others and they boast to themselves. And here we have the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And here's what he says to himself in Daniel chapter 4. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of his royal palace at Babylon. 
And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Whoa! (laughs) I mean, he was really into it, wasn't he? Look at what I've accomplished for the glory of my majesty. When life is going well, the pride within us says, you know, I really nailed it this time. I mean, I, I, really, I really did it. I mean, look at how well things are going. I worked really hard for this. I mean, you know, I did it. I put in the time. I put in the effort. I invested my money wisely, and I did it. Look at what I have done. That's what pride says. Um, this goes the way of pride, putting God in the background. Um, but here's what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Good question. <laughs> you know, good question. God gave us the mind to learn and understand And if we're going to be good stewards of what God's given to us, we better develop that mind as well as we're able. I mean, nurture your mind and go as far as you can go because God gave it to you. And that's our responsibility to do that. God gave us the strength to accomplish work. And if God gave us ability and strength and good health, we need to work hard because... God gave us the ability to do that and be good stewards of what God gave us. Work hard and build things and and grow things and and serve people and help people and make inventions and find cures for diseases and do those things. But we must realize that God gave every potential and every opportunity we falsely think that we created ourselves. Tim Keller says... Taking credit for something God did is cosmic plagiarism. You know what plagiarism is? Taking what someone else did and taking credit for it yourself. Could there be a little pride in every one of us? Maybe just a little. (laughs) Fourth, prideful people exalt themselves over others. And here's a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. Jesus also told this parable of someone who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You know, this time Jesus interpreted the parable before he told it. And here's the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this this lowly tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
People look down on others thinking that they are better than others. So subtle. We don't even recognize it. Tell your story of a good friend of mine, and I asked permission to tell this story, so I'm not speaking out of turn. I, I asked permission, can I share this story? And they said yes. They were traveling out of the United States on a vacation. Of course, you have to have a passport. And so they went to the, uh, to the airline, and they were ready to, to check out and go through customs, and, and uh, they were waiting in line, and somebody in front of them handed the customs official a passport, and the customs official looked at the passport and said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but your passport has expired. There they were, they were on their way to vacation, their passport expired. And this person, who is my friend, looked at her husband and said, Can you believe that somebody would plan a vacation and they would actually not look at their passport to see if their passport expired? I mean, how irresponsible is that? I think you know where this is going. (laughs) So she went up, handed the official her passport, and her passport had expired. <laughs> oh. You know, as soon as we exalt ourselves over someone else, God has a way of putting us in our place, doesn't he? He is so gracious to us. He is so gracious to us. But my friends, may I suggest to you, maybe there's a little pride in every one of us. Is there? No fear of God. I have a better plan. Boasting in our accomplishments. Exalting ourselves, looking down on others. And may I say right now, and you know I'm going to ask this question. If you are saying to yourself, boy, I hope so-and-so is listening right now because this really needs to have a handle on their pride. If you're thinking that, guess what's tied around your ankles? The chains of pride. So how do we not leave here feeling worse than when we came? Well, because I would suggest to you that we can break the chains of pride by a lifestyle of repentance. Turning from pride, offering ourselves to God, and clothing ourselves with humility. That's the thesis of this series of messages. Stop, turn from, present yourself to God, move toward God. And when we're talking about pride, we stop the pride, we turn from it, we offer ourselves to God, and we clothe ourselves with humility. And next week, I'm going to share this principle from 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at what 1 Peter chapter 5 says. Very clear. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is how to break the chains of pride. And I'm going to unpack it for us next week. But I just want you to know 
that we don't have to feel weighted down and worse when we, than when we came. If God has convicted you of pride, if God is leading you to start praying, Lord, do I have some pride in me? You know what God did to me this last week? I was praying to God that I would be successful in my ministry. And you know what God asked me? God says, why do you want to be successful in your ministry, Scott? And I had to admit, well, so I can look good. Do you see how subtle that is? Of course I want to be successful. I think you want me to be successful in my ministry. But why? So that I can look good? Oh, this pride is so subtle. And I, and I almost began weeping before God and saying, God, I'm so sorry that I'm asking you to facilitate my pride. Boy, we would, we would never, ever ask God to facilitate our pride. Instead, God opposes the proud, but, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. And we'll unpack that next week and learn how we can break that chain of pride and begin to turn, offer ourselves to him and find the freedom and the joy and the fulfillment of walking in humility before him. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for the clarity of your word. And I'm just amazed at your humility. God, help us to realize that we are never so much like you as when we clothe ourselves in humility. But before we can do that, we have to recognize where the pride is in our lives and we need to turn from it. And, oh, Holy Spirit, begin that process in our lives right now. Begin it now. Give us, open our eyes to where we see a little bit of pride and then where it goes from there for your glory and because of your grace do your work within us and so Lord I pray that even as we sing this final song come to the altar that we would do that with hope with hope and faith knowing that you will be faithful to your promise in our lives. In Jesus' name.